0: Well, good morning. morning. I am not preaching this morning. I'm just here to introduce you to someone that you already know. Everybody say hi, Chelsea. Hi,
1: Chelsea. That's so fun, guys. I love that.
0: (laughs) I am really excited about this morning because, I don't know, a few months ago when we were working on this series, I asked Chelsea to talk about this topic Um, talking about personal and individual identity as part of the church. And here's why it's so important that Chelsea's talking to us about this today. Chelsea is not just part of the teaching team. She is a counselor. She's a mental health professional. And you can hear somebody who's just a preacher talk about this all you want. But sometimes we need to hear someone who can look at scripture and look at the evidence and say these two things align. So today we don't need to hear just from a preacher. We need to hear from a professional as well so that we can see the overlap between not just the world of mental health, but scripture, and see the way the two align. So, Chelsea is an expert in this field that she's talking about today. So, give her your attention, and I believe that God has something that he wants to say to us through Chelsea. So, help me welcome Chelsea again. She's been here plenty of (laughs) times, teaching. But (laughs) welcome her again to the stage.
1: That is overwhelmingly kind, and awkward because I don't love that, but thank you so much. Um, I am very excited uh, to be able to speak with you guys this morning. Um, Happy fall, guys. October 1st. It's still 82 today, but whatever. Um, I guess I should say happy fall, y'all, and that is my transition into recapping what CJ started for us last week. Um, We are in a new series that's just called Y'all, um, and we are looking at the idea that when Scripture often says you, it is to y'all. It is to collectively the readers as a whole. Not necessarily how you and I might be um, more quick to, to look and to say me, I, just me. But it's collectively y'all. And so last week CJ talked about how the, the community is a gift community. And so this week we're talking about what it means to be an individual as part of that community. Um, So we are going to be looking at the end of Luke 2. Uh, We're not talking about the Christmas story guys, not yet, in a couple months. But we are at the end of Luke 2. We're going to look at verses 41 through 52 this morning. And I am, I love this story And I want you guys to hear the emotions in this story. I want you to hear, uh, I want you to see Jesus in this story. So we're going to begin in verse 41, Luke 2, 41. So now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem his parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And then, when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and he came to Nazareth and he was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word that is true does not return void that you are faithful to reveal it to us And so as we sit in your word and explore together this morning would you would your word remain on our hearts would your spirit impress on each of our hearts what you have for us and would all the other things and all the distractions fade away and be forgotten we ask these things in your name amen so when somebody asks you about yourself, what do you say? What are the things that, that you say when you first meet somebody? Maybe it's what you do for a living, maybe it's where you're from, maybe depending on where you are when you meet these people, maybe it's, I grew up in, in this area, and then you find similarities of things that you have in common. We, we want to find things in common with people. That feels good to us, right? Um, I got to meet some folks this morning, and we talked about how we were from the same general area this morning. And, and it just feels good to know that you have things in common with other people. Um, we are naturally prone. We are naturally have this tendency within us to orient ourselves to people who are like us. So when we're sharing these things, we're going to continue talking about the things we have in common, not necessarily the things that we don't have in common, not necessarily the things that make us unique, but the things that make us similar together. Um, I think we also have these, uh, well, football season is a big part of this. I think there's nothing quite like football season to uh, alienate people who have been friends and join strangers who don't know each other right? Um, Go Tigers. There's my little push for that. See, you felt it right there, didn't you? (laughs) You're like, oh, or yes. So we orient ourselves, and this is actually a, this is a psychological, this is a sociological study, and it's called social identity theory. This is the idea, the study, and how anthropology shows us that mankind as by created order, orients toward others. We want to find people that we naturally fit in with. We want to find other people to be in community with, in connection with. And so when we're finding these places, when we're in these conversations and we're talking about things we have in common, maybe our, our relationship status, maybe whether we're single or married whether or not we have children is another part of this. We're constantly finding places to to connect and to to fill the void that is created by isolation. When we think about this idea, there have been things that have come to your mind, right? As as things that you have said. Maybe it's career, the location, the status. But none of these things necessarily fulfill for us what we want them to. These things alone don't provide for us this, uh, this fulfillment necessarily. We have this void within us that needs to be filled. And we try to, to put these pieces together in different ways where when we are in connection or meeting with others, we want it to be filled. And so how do we understand this void? How do we understand what this longing is within us? And so I want us to go back to the scripture and this story. I love this story because this is the only story that sits between the birth of Jesus. We have multiple accounts of that in the Gospels and him beginning his ministry. So here we have Jesus as a 12-year-old boy and he's it would seem he's not really obeying what's going on, right? It would seem he's being a little, a little defiant. Um, we know that is not what's going on here, but I want you just to imagine that you're in this story in a very real way, maybe as part of Jesus' family, the people who are in the temple. I just want you to put yourself there for a moment. And then we have three days that no doubt were very, very long for Mary and Joseph, coming to find the boy Jesus and so they find him and what is he doing he's in the temple and he's sitting with the teachers and that seems odd to me it seems odd that you would have somebody who's sitting with the teachers and he's listening to them and he's asking them questions and scripture says that they are marveling at his understanding so even here Jesus isn't publicly saying he's not beginning to teach the kingdom of heaven at this point. But he is present in his father's house. And I think it's really interesting here that what Jesus is doing is very countercultural in multiple ways. One of those ways is that as a 12-year-old boy, it would have been very common for his family to be thinking about his future spouse, his future family. That would have been preparation that would be done around his age. We know that family began early and children were had early and that they they grew and that we've talked in previous series here at the Fold where the family unit was the the strength of your household, that the more children you had that the the greater your influence overall. So it's not surprising that, or so I should say it is surprising that we see none of that is talked about here in Scripture. And so when we get to Jesus beginning his ministry, we don't see anything about a spouse or a significant other or any type of discussion or conversation or mention that this is not part of Jesus' life. But what's so significant is that we know that Jesus, fully man and fully God, lived a full and whole and complete life as an individual person, as a single person. It wasn't through a a spouse or or a, a wife that he found fulfillment, that he fulfilled part of God's will for his life. It was through obedience to his Father. When we look at this text, we see that Jesus, in his humanity and his divinity, are in the temple. He's in the temple court. His father's house, his father's business, his father's will for his life at age 12 was to be here in this place. When we think about our lives and our Fulfillment. We likewise are fulfilled when we are obedient to the Father, not in relationship or in status or in these markers that we have. So Jesus was countercultural here, and I think we see this in our lives in a very different way. We have these cultural expectations <clears throat> in American society. I think even more so in southern culture, or southern society where you grow up, maybe you go to school, maybe you start working, but you you meet somebody. That's a that's a cultural expectation that we have. You meet somebody to share your life with. You date, you get married, and then you you begin working or maybe you have children, but this is kind of this outlined plan that we have created that we see Praised and emphasized in our society and culture. Um, We talk about the American dream or climbing the ladder. Those would also be parts of this here. And when we think about where we find our fulfillment as followers of Jesus, that in the same way Jesus is shifting the cultural expectations that would have been had for him at the time, we are called to shift our expectations of what it looks like to walk out God's plan for our lives. It's not in a spouse or a partner. Now, CJ will talk about next week what it looks like to be part of the community as a married person, as part of a family. But I think that you and I could also look at, um, for those of us who are married, Or who are parents. We can look at this experience that we had. And maybe there was something we were longing to have filled. In our partner. In our spouse. And we were still lonely. We were living out life with this new person beside us. And all of its joys and challenges. And yet we were still unfulfilled. So. When we see this void in our lives, and we begin to understand what this void in our lives means, it, it finds fulfillment in the person of Jesus in connection to the Father. That it's not in the next step, the next phase of life. And if we've lived long enough, we find that to be true. It's not in my accomplishment of the degree. It's not in my promotion at the job. It's not in the big wedding ceremony. It was never meant to be in those things. It was always, always meant to be in the person of Jesus and in relationship with the Father. And so what does it mean for us to have this innate desire within us to connect and yet that's not through what we see as the solution in so many ways. And I believe that's where we can see that God's blessing for community, that his intention is the blessing of relationships within his created community, the church. We, again, looking at expectations, thinking about what it looks like to have desire for a relationship. Um, we can have all of the extra activities and the hobbies and the memberships and the clubs and all that. We can do all of the things, and yet there's something that's missing. We have this deep desire for connection and for people. But if we don't understand God's intention for how that is to be filled, then we will, leave, we will be left missing. Something. Something. This piece of a thing. Um, I think that, so for me, when after Jay and I got married, we'd been married for a couple of years, and like um, our churches are often set up with the same expectation, right, that we have um, children's ministry, and then you have youth ministry, and then you have maybe college or young professionals, and then there's a point at which you age out maybe or you marry out or you move or something happens. But there's a gap here between what it looks like to be a single adult in the church uh, or even in our culture and what it looks like to find community here. So Jay and I got married. We joined a young marrieds group. And for our group, many of the families began having children and honestly I can't remember how long we had been a part of the group but I began to feel disconnected from them. I began to feel like we didn't have enough in common because the conversations were always around you know what their kids were doing or who was walking or the funny thing or the funny video that they had taken of them and so we felt very disconnected and this began this became a motivator for me to have children. This became we we knew we were we were wanting to have a family, but this was a significant part of why I felt like we were ready to have kids. It was a terrible motivation <laughs> to have children. Don't do that, guys. Um, I'm so thankful for our children. So thankful for when they were born and God's blessing of them in our lives. But I can look back and I can see that my deepest desire was for connection and relationship. And that was so significant for me in my life that I was willing to add a member of our family (laughs) to, to want to have a child to do that, to accomplish that. Um, when we think about what it means to find connection, we have to know that it is a blessing that God has given us this deep desire, and we also need to know how it's fulfilled. So, I this is where I'm going to get very counselor y. Um, there is so much study. That has been done for a long time and a lot of study that's been done most recently post-COVID about the deep desire that we have for relationship and connection. We know what it feels like to live isolated, to live lonely lives where it feels like we are moving through and we're doing all of the things and yet nobody really knows what's going on in my life. Or I just want to be able to sit with somebody who understands. And this morning I want to offer to you that the church, that the community, is God's good design for what fulfilling that relationship actually looks like. Um, that when we think about our innate desires for connection and relationship, that they are fulfilled in the blessing of his created community. Um we have this need for intimate relationships. And so I went back to the dictionary to look at what intimate relationships is defined as because <clears throat> I use that word a lot in my work, but I think we have, a, we have a more common definition of that. And so here I'm gonna offer that it's not romantic at all, but that an intimate relationship as Merriam-Webster has defined it is marked by warm friendship developing through long association. It's a close, trustworthy and emotionally supportive relationship. We know that we need people to walk alongside us. I think you you and I can imagine, we can remember, we don't have to imagine moments where we have been alone and we have needed somebody to sit with us. We have been in a place where there's nothing else that is filling the void. But when we come back to obedience to our Father and in his created community, we realize that we weren't alone. We realize, I can realize, that God's good intention, his blessing for us in this is relationship with him and with his people, collectively, the church. Um, To be in a relationship with God is to be in relationship with his church. We are, the church is his bride. The church, the Bible is full of uh, pictures that are given to us for what the church means and looks like. And I think that that shows us how significant it is to us in our lives that scripture talks so extensively about what the church ought to look like and what the church ought to be. Um, I recently was watching this show. Jay and I were watching this together called um, Live to 100, Secrets of the Blue Zones. Has anybody else seen this? Yes, yes. Beautiful, right? So this is this is a show on Netflix, and this is six or seven episodes where Um, A a man is traveling to what are known as blue zones, and these are areas where there are more centurions or people who have lived past the age of 100 than anywhere else in the world. And so this man in the show is showing, you know, four, five, six different characteristics or categories that are kind of defining the area specifically. And so some of those things are things that we know, you know, diet that's the things that they eat it's um, maybe it's the areas where it's very steep that was my favorite this one was in the Mediterranean I think one of the Greek islands and everything was so steep so they just constantly walked hills all the time Um, the thing that I love the most and this was the one that was most synonymous to all the areas it is the fact that they had community there were people to share life with. Um, maybe it was their family. Maybe it was, you know, nieces, children, great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren at this point in their lives were there. They were present with them. But it was people. Maybe it was neighbors or maybe it was individuals where they were all about the same age, 87, 93, 102, 102. They are collectively sharing life together in the same place, in the same way. Just present to each other. And there's not a stipulation in scripture that says this is accomplished when we have one person to walk through it in this life with. This is not fulfilled in us when we have a a spouse a husband, a wife. This is fulfilled within us when we are in relationship with the Father, that we're finding fulfillment in obedience to him and in the blessing of the relationships in his created community, in how he created us. A triune God, a relational God, created us in his image. So yes, we are relational. We need One another. Um, There was a a study done in 2010, and this was a review. So, a review is a collection of studies. So, this was a big one 148 studies collectively. So, over 300,000 people had been studied um, over about a seven and a half average, seven and a half year span of time. And in these studies, the review showed that individuals with more social relationships not only had greater health markers, were generally healthier individuals, but they enjoyed longer lives compared to those who did not. So if you want to live a long time, have a lot of friends, that's kind of the part of the premise maybe. Um, I think it's important to note that these are not romantic relationships. These are just social relationships. These are our friends and neighbors and coworkers and church family. And these are those two ideas coming together because we as followers of Jesus know that this is not just a coincidence or psychology revealing itself. This is God's good design for us that as individuals we find fulfillment in relationship with one another in the support of one another, in walking alongside one another. Um, Scripture defines or describes us as sons and daughters and brothers and sisters. It's this familial language. And if we see ourselves individually as part of this relational community, then we can find fulfillment in what he has intended for us all along. Um, this morning I want to encourage you to think about a couple of questions as we wrap up. First of all, where is it that you're finding fulfillment outside of Jesus? Where is it that you're longing to fill the void that you fill in your life with something other than the Father and relationship with Him? And the second question is, who, who am I in community with? Who, where has God placed me? Who are the people in my life where God has placed me, who are, who's around me, that I can connect with? That I'm not scanning for someone to spend my life with, but I'm looking for the people that God has placed in my life. If I'm constantly looking for something that's out there, then I'm missing what's right here. And so in this place in your life right now, for where God has you, in the job where he has you, in this room where he has you, in your neighborhood, in your community, who are the people that God has surrounded you with, that he has good intention for you in your life? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word and for the beauty of how you have created us and how you have created relationship. God, I thank you for scripture that shows us these things. I thank you for your purpose for us here on this side of heaven to be people who are connected to each other and that in that way, through you, we find something that we cannot do or have our own. You are the fulfillment, God. It is in obedience and relationship with you that we are fulfilled. So Father, as we worship again together, would you show us The places that you have us, would you show us what we are seeking to have filled up with something other than you? God, we love you and we thank you that you do this good work within us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.